Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. And we're back on Dealing Together, where we help good people who fell for bad deals. First caller? to buy three identical sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller, what's your deal? I paid for 20 tanning sessions, but had to use them in a month. Now I'm orange. Ooh, you got burned. Next caller. I traded in my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24+. Plus. Hmm, how's that bad? I got to choose from their best plans. So what went wrong? Oh, nothing went wrong. And you're calling to... To request a song? You want a song? course our best smartphone deals your choice of plan learn how to get the new samsung galaxy s24 plus with galaxy ai on us with eligible trade-in at&t connecting changes everything offers vary by device subject to change s24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time terms and restrictions apply see att.com slash samsung for details tired of restless nights at lisa we know good sleep is essential for mental physical and emotional health from memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. interested in, in what kind of individual you are are you picking up your teammates because ultimately there's a lot of really good baseball players out there and coaches have an opportunity to pick amongst a lot of talent but there's so much more to that you know what, what does the team really believe in what does it matter to be on this team this is the reform sports project a podcast about restoring healthy balance and perspective in all areas of sport through education and advocacy Hi, this is Nick Bonacore from the Reform Sports Project podcast. Today I'm speaking with Mark Polymeropoulos, highly decorated former CIA senior intelligence officer. Having retired in 2019 after 26 years at the CIA, Mark now serves as a non-resident senior fellow at the Atlantic Council and is a sought-after speaker for his unique expertise on leadership, decision-making, and collaboration. Mark and I discuss the importance of building cohesive teams, how to succeed in high-pressure situations, and what it means to be the glue guy or the glue gal. Let's go. I'm in the fight. I have a freaking legend on. I'm fired up. Always fired up, but even more so today. Uh, he, he's someone that has helped all of us here in the United States sleep better at night uh, for the past 30-plus years. Retired senior CIA officer. Guy's a freaking stud. And tickled to have him, Mark Polymeropoulos. Thank you so much for hopping on, man. Did I do a, Did I do the last name justice? Nick, thank you very much. Great to be here. You did do it justice. I'll tell a quick story on that. I was the, the, the deputy station chief in the Middle East a couple of years ago, or many years ago, in fact, and it was when George W. Bush was president, and his briefers called me on the phone, and they wanted my take on a breaking situation. They went down to the Oval Office. They told me they would call me later that night. You know, we were about a seven, eight-hour difference. I was waiting by the secure phone, and they called back. And I said, how'd the briefing go to the president? You know, what did he think about what I had to say about the situation? And they said, well... 
W spent the whole time in the Oval trying to pronounce your last name. So uh, we think it went great. So. <laughs> so I am not. I am. I'm not alone. You're in good company. <laughs> Fair enough. I uh, being Italian. Bonacore is my last name. But I mean, when I first came down to go to college down here, uh, you know, 25 years ago, I would go. You know, you you travel. And sometimes you play in the middle of nowhere, and people would just. I mean, the things they would say when they'd announce me coming to the plate, my last name. But we'd awesome. all just. Yep. We'd all just laugh, but you get it being great. I mean, it's one of those things that's hilarious. You just kind of take what's coming to you every once in a while. But uh, the key thing is nobody will ever forget you with kind of a crazy last name of 14 letters. So, I love it. I need, all the, I need all the help I can get in that regard. <laughs> you don't, and I, I'm pumped to have you. So listen, we connected on social media. I saw you spoke at the ABCA National Convention, I believe, back in 2020. You're a big baseball guy. You're a sports parent. Aside from keeping us safe for the last 35 plus years, tell me this about your background, right? How do you sure. end up? As a, as, as a senior level CIA stud like you were. So, well, you know, first of all, you're, you're being very kind to me, but to be honest, you know, I, I'm just one of many kind of heroes in the shadows. I wouldn't call myself a hero as well, but the colleagues I, I serve with are. So a lot of us, you know, just kind of toil in the shadows, help protect America. You know, you certainly don't get any public pats on the back. Um, but, but I was no better than, uh, than, than folks that I served with in places like Iraq and Afghanistan. So you're being very kind to me, but you know, you'll see from the chat, I have a pretty big dose of, uh, of humility. Uh, but ultimately, so, you know, I, I grew up in uh, in New Jersey um, and, you know, my dad was a, a college professor. So in the summers, we were able to travel a lot. I was actually born in Greece. So my dad was Greek. My mom was was, uh, was American, but I was born in Greece. So we came, we went back every summer to Greece. So already then I had this kind of view of the world. We traveled a lot. Then when I was 10 years old, um, my dad did a sabbatical in, in a, the North African country of Algeria. So he was, he was there for a year. So my mom, you know, and anyone who knows, you know, the New York, New Jersey area. So she puts me on an airplane by myself at 10 at JFK airport in uh, New York city. And off I fly by myself through Paris and I meet my dad in Algeria and him and I spend one month driving 2000 miles in the Sahara desert in an old Volkswagen minibus. And, you know, I thought I was Lawrence of Arabia. So I, I you know, I, I say all these things, but this, it, it really matters because I wanted to do something different. I became very interested in national security. And frankly, I, you know, I was, I went to Cornell University for undergrad and grad school and I was recruited out of there by the CIA. It was the only job I ever had, which makes me, you know, uh, uh, not qualified to do much else other than talk things like, like leadership, which is, uh, which is what I do now. Well, that, and that's, you know, such a great segue, Marcus, because, you know, you're a sports parent, right? You have a son that's playing ball at a yep. JUCO right now, which we'll get into. So you've been in that process. You've been in that game, the whole travel scene and such. But one thing that really is important um, for me as a father six times over and, and a coach is leadership, right? It's the lessons and things that you extract as a human being from your sport experience, right? Everyone wants to chase scholarships and pro contracts and such. But like we talked about before, only 7 8% roughly of all high school athletes will play college sports at any level. So there's things like leadership, courage, all of these things that you take with you into your life. What are the things that in your profession, you know, working with the CIA, why did leadership sure. come in so handy and how can sports provide that? Well, it, you know, it's, it's interesting. So I retired in July of 2019 after 26 years and I had this incredible career and I have, you know, if you come over and, you know, I, I take you down to the basement and have a, have a bourbon and look at the look at all the medals on my wall. I, you know, I received multiple kind of, you know, decorations from the CIA, but I also failed a lot as well. Um, and, and ultimately when I retired, I realized that I only was a good leader at the end of my career. Um, and there were reasons why kind of there were some principles I came up with. And then I wrote a book on it called Clarity and Crisis, Leadership Lessons from the CIA. See, that's my book plug right now for your listeners. There you go. Um, <laughs> but, but ultimately, um, it, it was the notion of, you know, how, you know, how was I going to lead or how did I lead well? Um, in crisis situations, you know, when you have a lack of situational awareness. I'm talking about places like Iraq and Afghanistan. But then 
unpacking it more. And when I wrote the book, the book is also an homage to baseball because there's a lot of similarities in the baseball world and on the baseball field and in the clubhouse and in team dynamics to my role as a CIA operations officer, particularly, you know, leading small kind of elite teams overseas in some tough situations. So, so there is, there, you know, there were these incredible similarities, you know, in terms of, you know, how, you know, what does adversity mean to you? You know, one of the principles I talk about is I, I call it adversity is the, is the PED, the success. I'm not advocating performance enhancing drugs, but it's the idea that adversity has got to be your super fuel. You know, it's got to be, that's something that's got to drive you. Now, if, you know, you're a baseball player, you know, if you can't handle that mentally, if you can't handle failing, you know, go play football. I mean, I mean that seriously, because you're going to fail seven out of 10 times and make all conference in high school, hitting 300. And so it's being able to understand what does adversity mean to you? How does that drive you? And then things like, you know, teamwork and kind of the family values, how to, how to build these cohesive teams, what that means, you know, so whether it's, you know, if I'm in Afghanistan along the Pac-Afghan border, you know, in firefights with Al-Qaeda or... If you're in a baseball dugout and it's the, you know, it's the bottom of the seventh in a high school game, you're down three one, you look to the left and right of you and you're like, these are my brothers. We got this. Um, and then just kind of more, more simple things about processes that, you know, fundamentals that you, you kind of go through in terms of running these elite teams. So, you know, in my role as a CIA officer, or if you're in the special operations community, you know, it's kind of fundamentals on maybe you got to be able to shoot, you know, a weapon well or do things like, you know, we were to meet, you know, agents on the street. But for baseball, it would be you take BP every day or, you, or pitchers throwing bullpens. What about stretching? What about nutrition and, and, and hydrating? And so there were, there were all these principles that I found similar. And it, it just applies to the baseball world. So, you know, what I do now, I actually go around, I talk to tons of high school and college baseball teams about my leadership principles because it just works, you know, for uh, for a baseball team at any level from, you know, from high school um, on up to pro. Now, I have talked to little league teams. 11 and 12-year-olds are a little young to do this. I, I think that's a <laughs> – that, that didn't work out as well. Their kids were running around. But but on a level where you're talking to kind of, you know, and I call them – I don't call them boys. I call them young men. And this would work for a softball team as well or young women. Um, you know, some of these leadership principles are, are really relevant on how you succeed in, in high-pressure situations. You know, as you're talking, I'm thinking back and one of my, I have, you know, I guess I mentioned six kids and uh, my three oldest are sophomore, junior and senior in high school. And it made me, as you're talking about leadership and I'm thinking back to my own experience and, and some of the things I hear my kids say, and I can only speak for myself in this regard. And I've heard my kids say it as well. It's not easy to be a leader, even when you're a good player, when you're a younger athlete, at least in my experience, like if I'm a freshman or sophomore surrounded by juniors and seniors, even though I might be a a starter, you know, it's, it's still uncomfortable at times to be a voice. You know, how do you get over that insecure? Like, cause you mentioned you're a better leader later in your career, right? You probably, absolutely. So how can you maybe get over that stuff? Yeah. It all goes to team culture. So, so this is where, you know, some teams have the right kind of culture, meaning that every single individual, every player in that field, if you're a softball player, baseball player, football player, you can, you know, you're a leader. Um, so the juniors and the seniors, when they get that, something happens that's really magical because, you know, they're not hazing the younger players. What they're thinking about as we have to treat everyone as, as leaders in and of themselves is it's time to pass the torch or there's going to be a time to pass the torch. So if you're a junior or senior, you know, what are you thinking about uh, on your high school or your college team? Well, I got one or two years left. You know, what's my legacy going to be? Well, maybe we'll win that conference title. But you know what? The most important thing I have to do is pass on to the next generation, pass that torch. You know, I'll never forget. It's it's a, it's a great story. My son played for you know James Madison High School in, in Vienna, Virginia. It's one of the top um, high school programs in the Mid Atlantic. They're ranked in the top twenty in the country every year. And I remember as a freshman, he had made varsity and he didn't play much, um, but it was okay because at the at the team banquet at the end of the year, the the senior catcher who was graduating literally got up and said, "Hey, I just want to tell Chris Palomaros, I pass the torch to you now. You're the starter of the next three years." You know, and and I, I remember having chills thinking about that. But more importantly, later on, I realized well. That, that team had the right kind of culture. 
um, you know, how are you going to be remembered? You know, you're going to be remembered how you teach and educate and get the next, you know, crop of players uh, after you're ready, much more so than I think your wins and losses. And that's something that you take with you. You know, it's just so funny because you talk about people don't understand often the translation between being in the dugout, being in the clubhouse, you know, being on the sidelines, that camaraderie, that bond that's forged in, in the fight with your teammates and how I hear college coaches, I've interviewed hundreds and hundreds of college coaches, right. and they put a premium when it comes to recruiting on being a good teammate like no other. I mean, that is the best way to get yourself recruited. It's the best way to get yourself crossed off is to be a terrible teammate. How did that translate to your life and your professional life? And, and what have oh, you seen from your kid? It's, I mean, it's so funny you say that. And, and, and again, you talk to college coaches, but of course, parents and players don't understand this because they're all obsessed with statistics. They're obsessed with going to a showcase. They're obsessed with, you know, how do they look on the field? College coaches, on the other hand, um, look for the other things. I remember, I'll give, I'll give a couple examples. Of course, this was, this was a, a leadership talk that I, myself and Tim Corbin from Vanderbilt were giving a leadership talk to a, a joint special operations command unit. I remember the, the army unit called me up and they said, Hey, you and Tim Corbin are speaking. I was like, Oh, great. Like, <laughs> you know, this Corbs is, is but, awesome, but, right? But ultimately, I, I think I went before him, thank God, because I didn't want to be following him. But, you know, Corbin, Corbin always stresses that idea of culture, what they're looking for. I remember Coach O'Connor from, uh, from Virginia. I remember he came and my son was at a catching camp one time and, and he said that what he would do is he would go to a high school game. He wouldn't watch the game. He would sit out in the right, you know, in the outfield. He'd see how the players he was interested in would walk onto the field. And what was going on in, in batting practice? He'd look at them in the dugout, and then you know, by the first or second inning, he's gone. Well, what does that tell you? You know, they're interested in, in what kind of individual you are. Are you picking up your teammates? Um, because ultimately, there's a lot of really good baseball players out there, and coaches have an opportunity to pick amongst you know, a lot of talent. But there's so much more to that. You know, what, what does the team really believe in? You know, what does it matter to be on this team? And you know, one of the principles I talk about, and I love this one because um, it really, I, I really believe in it. From my time at the agency, is the concept of the glue guy or the glue gal, and that's that indispensable, you know, person behind the scenes um, that makes or breaks teams. They're not MVPs, you know, they're not all state, they're not superstars, um, but they're they're utility players. You know, it's, it's the backup catcher or it's the you know it's the fourth outfielder. Um, but on championship teams, they're absolutely critical because they you know you actually practice more than you play. Um, great teams have insane scrimmages. You know, that's where you're going to see kind of the, the best competition come out. Um, but guess what happens? Those glue guys and glue guys also get recruited. Coaches want them. They want those who have a kind of a team first attitude. Uh, you know, one of the things I'll never forget a, co- a conversation I had with Marlon Eikenberry, the coach at, at James Madison University. I think he told me that he had around 250 or under every year he ever played baseball. He's a catcher. High school, travel, college, everything. Um, but he was a great team player. He was kind of that utility player, that, that glue guy. Uh, and he had a very successful baseball career. And it's okay to be that, that, that player because coaches are going to want you, um, for that kind of role as a team leader in terms of, of team cohesion. And for me, you know, running teams in Afghanistan, I ran a paramilitary base in the border of Pakistan and Afghanistan for an entire year. That's what I had. I had those glue guys and glue gals who, who kind of did stuff behind the scenes. Maybe they were not, you know, the tip of the spear. Um, you know, uh, officer is going to kick down a door and capture a high value target, but they do a lot of other things that are critical. Like even our medical staff, you know, our, our docs, you know, that to me, that, that concept of that unsung hero behind the scenes is always really, um, is really motivating, but it's really kind of applicable in life and it would be applicable for any, anyone playing athletics. You know what else it is? It's controllable. I mean, like we can't control our genetics, right? But we can control our work ethic, you know, how we treat our bodies. We can control the people we hang around with. So can you talk a little bit about the controllables versus the non-controllables and how those impact, you know, not just athletics, but, you know, your life beyond? 
Oh, I love that. This is it's such a, a great leadership principle. You know, so let me tell you, you know, when I when I get up in the morning, what I did as a CIA officer, so you get up in the morning, you know, you can have a cup of coffee. Caffeine's not bad for you. Um, you kind of you do a little stretching. You see how you're doing. So what's what's your job to do today? Well, I got to hydrate um, because I'm in, in Iraq or Afghanistan and it's a hundred, you know, freaking degrees. Um, so hydrate. I got to eat right. I got to get my exercise in, get my, you know, get my lift in. And so you're thinking to yourself, all right, I've done all these things to prepare myself today. And then you jump into the day where there's all the unknowns, but there's those controllable factors are really important. So when the crap hits the fan several hours later, maybe I'm on patrol somewhere, there's a firefight. I'm like, all right, well, you know what? I'm rested. I got, I'm, I'm hydrated. I ate well. I lifted today. So my body is ready for whatever's going to happen. That's the same thing in, in, in baseball and kind of that, that preparation. What can you control as a, as a baseball player? So if you're down three, one in the bottom of the seventh, you know, there's, there's run on second and third and you're up to plate, right? Your heart's pounding. It's always going to be pounding. No, no doubt. But what are you saying to yourself? Well, you know what? All season long, I've been taking care of my body. You know, I, I've been, I've been doing the right thing every day. I've been eating right. Haven't been going out partying with my friends or so, you know, so some of the other players. Um, I hit the weight room religiously. I, I hit every day. You know, I've never missed a cage session. Uh, and you know what? So whatever happens right now, you know, because because I don't know, maybe you know, maybe the pitcher is going to be throwing you know 101 miles an hour. But but ultimately, I've done everything possible to prepare myself for this moment. And there's a comfort in that. So you sit back and you say, look, you know, this is going to be okay. I did everything possible I can to prepare myself. And just you know, that kind of attitude, I think, is is really important. I'll tell you one one final story. My son and I were down uh, shark fishing down in the Outer Banks of North Carolina uh, a couple weeks ago, and we were gone all day. And he, it was a lifting day. He just missed it. And I said, hey, man, hey, Chris, you know, what kind of day was this? He goes, Dad, this was an awesome day, but you know what? I missed my lift today. And I said, okay. And he said, other catchers on my team didn't. You know, it's, it's that kind of Derek Jeter or Tom Brady mentality. Like, you know, if I'm in the weight room or if my, my, you know, my, my teammates in the weight room for two hours, I better be in there for three hours. And so it's just it's that process of preparing yourself. It's what I learned at CIA, and it's what certainly athletes can take uh, uh, into kind of high-pressure situations. There are things you can control, do the best you can, and then, you know, chips will fall when they may, where, where they may, but you'll walk away knowing that you were ready. When we come back, Mark and I discuss whether leadership can be taught and learned. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Access from anywhere. 
You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood, a brand that's truly close to my heart because it was founded in my kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton. Today, Laird Superfood boasts an amazing lineup of products, all crafted with the highest quality plant-based ingredients. Think functional mushrooms, real fruits and veggies. What makes us unique? We're committed to using only real ingredients, no artificial and no natural flavors. Two of my absolute favorites are prebiotic daily greens, really great tasting, and we've added some mushrooms to support your gut even a little more. Then there's our instant latte lineup. We've got instant mocha, instant latte, chai. If you want to discover Laird Superfood, you can do it at your local retailer on Amazon or at LairdSuperfood.com. And if you put in the code GABBY2024 on our website, you'll get an exclusive 20% off your first purchase. Welcome back. Where we left off, Mark and I were about to talk about the importance of teaching kids leadership at a young age and how to handle the college recruiting process. People will often say like, oh, there's natural born leaders. And, you know, some, I've actually had someone ask me and I, and I never really thought about it when he asked me, he's like, right. can, can you teach kids to be coachable, to be, you know, to be great teammates? And I'm thinking, well, hell yeah, you can. Yeah, absolutely. You can. Matter of fact, I almost right. feel like naturally, and I know for me, and I'm being honest, when I was younger, I was definitely more selfish. I mean, you're more yeah. concerned. So I feel like you have to learn how to become part of, part of something, you know, bigger than just yourself. How do you do that? What a great question, Nick. And so I, I actually really, I can't stand that notion of natural born leadership. I think leadership, you know, is, is taught and learned you kind of learn it along the way. Um, so that's why, and this is a perfect, you know, uh, promo for this, for this talk right now. And what you do is, so young kids are going to be influenced by their first coaches, certainly by their parents, but their first coaches. So what, you know, why does that matter? Well, you can teach leadership at a young age. So, so, you know, one of the things that drives me crazy about kind of the, you know, youth baseball world is kind of this obsession with statistics, um, with showcases, you know, uh, I, I'll never forget, um, my, uh, my son and I, I paid thousand dollars to go to a showcase up in Long Island. I live in Virginia. We drove up there, right? Thousand bucks. Hmm. First swing he takes thousand dollar showcase. He tears his, uh, tears a muscle on his shoulder. Oh. We never got a refund. Whole thing, a total waste of money. Um, and the irony is the coaches who are actually up there to see him in Long Island are the same coaches from Virginia. They just traveled up there. So, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's the, the obsession over, over statistics and, and things like that um, is something that kind of drives me nuts. And I think that's a, a problem in the baseball world. One of the things, when I talk to, to I, I do some, I, I did it in the past, I haven't done it as much. I do a lot more leadership training for teams. But when I used to talk to parents about kind of, I called it the recruiting wars. One of the things that I would, I would tell them is just, you know, you got to enjoy baseball. And maybe, I don't know if you agree with me or not on this, but you know, high school baseball to me is, is still the kind of the purest form of sport. Um, and, and my son played travel ball. I played for a great organization, the Richmond Braves, um, and, and travel, but, but still, but going back to high school, because that's where you're looking to the left and right. You got your brothers in the sure. field and that's where winning really matters the most. And, and, and there are really outstanding high school baseball coaches, at least where, where I am in Virginia. 
Um, but that's when they teach you that, you know, because I'll tell you what, because, you know, you know, you got, you got to bunt a runner over. Well, in travel ball, you never see anyone bunt. In high school, you see people bunt all the time. And by the way, if, if a college coach is watching you and they see a kid who can bunt, nobody can bunt anymore. Yeah. So, you know, they're writing something down right there that that kid can bunt a runner over or, or you know, it would just, you know, would be willing to, to do anything for the team, sack fly or anything like that. So, so ultimately it's, uh, you know, to me, it's this obsession over statistics that drives me nuts. You know, I, I we can teach leadership. Um, it, it comes, you know, from, from kind of a young age of having the right kind of parents and really the right kind of coaches. So you, at the end of the day, you know, as, as you've watched your son go through the recruiting process, he's still playing. Like, what yeah. was that like? What was juggling and, and how did you navigate kind of, cause as you said, you hear you already spent a grand to go up to Long Island. Like, where did you find, <laughs> where did you find like the most value versus the things like, Hey, right. it might've been a money grab. So, so the, well, well, first and foremost, you know, I, I mean, I called it, you know, surviving the recruiting wars. I mean, it was, it was a terrible experience for myself, but more importantly for my son, um, who started, you know, by this junior year as we're down at, you know, at, at perfect game down in Atlanta. Um, and, you know, for whatever it was, he had, he had a terrible tournament. He was hurt. Um, you know, he, you could see some schools kind of drop off, you know, or he's, he's dropping off their list. Other schools were not, but, but ultimately it was, it was getting to be a grind. And he actually told me, I remember driving home. Um, and he, he, you know, he told me, he goes, dad, this isn't fun anymore. I don't know if I want to play in college. And I was like, what a shame this is again, because this is a kid who loves baseball, loves to compete. He's a great leader. He's been a captain of every team. And, and he's also, you know, he's also five, five, eight, you know, 175 pounds. So he's, you know, he's not going to a power five school. Um, but, but ultimately it's just it's the idea of just 8% of kids, high school baseball players, um, will go off and play in college. Every level has great baseball. So whether it's obviously D1 does, but down to Juco, he's playing for a Juco now. We got to see guys throwing 90 all the time. Um, guys getting drafted. Uh, they're there for a certain reason. Maybe it's, maybe it's because of money. Maybe it's because of academics. Uh, maybe they need a second, a second chance, but every level, you know, in D3, the D3 closers in the ODAC are all throwing, you know, little mid nineties. That's pretty damn good. And so I think the, the suggestion I would have is, you know, especially for kids is, you know, don't big time any coach. Um, and, you know, we were talking before a, a great story. You know, my son was being recruited by a division one team. Um, they ended up not taking him and he was really, he was really bummed. Um, he ended up going to a D3 school, uh, uh, you know, before he, he's at Juco now, but a D3 school. But what happened was that D1 team actually passed all the recruiting notes to the D3 school. We didn't even know it. And so one of the other things that, that parents and players have to understand is all the coaches know each other. They talk to each other. So as a parent and especially as a player, you know, be polite, respectful to anyone. Don't, don't big time anybody. Um, these coaching staffs turn over. So a, a, a Juco coach or a D3 coach might be recruiting you and you're like, I don't feel like going there and you're going to blow them off. Well, don't do that because that, that coach might be the recruiting coordinator for a D1 school next year. Sure. So it's the idea of being polite and being respectful. And again, just having that appreciation wherever I go playing college, I'm one of the 8%. And that to me is extraordinary. And there's great baseball everywhere. The last piece on this too is what I, what I tell folks is, you, you know, you want to wear the hat of a, of a power five school, you want to play. And one of the great things about D3 and Juco is freshmen walk in and play. And, and, and sometimes they don't for really good teams. And uh, we're all, while on a D1 program, you're going to sit for a while. So, you know, I talk about kind of three things you look for in a college. Obviously, academics. Um, can, your, can your parents afford it? And then playing time. And, and playing time is a really big deal because last kind of my, my last plug here, college baseball at every level, you're on the field for three or four hours every day. It's a job and it starts the second you get there in the fall and it ends in the spring, the last game of the season. Uh, and as a parent, you have to have that, that talk with your kids saying, do you want to put that commitment in? Because there's not a lot of, there's partying, of course, they're in college, but a lot of weekend games in Juco, there's bus trips, you know, four hours away in the middle of the week. They're coming home at two in the morning on a bus. Um, and so, you know, three or four hours every single day is nothing like what they've experienced in travel in high school. So, you know, they got to want it. 
Um, but again, it's a you know greatest game in the world, and I think it just teaches you so much about life because again, it teaches you about overcoming adversity, it teaches you about humility. That's what life's all about. Mark, one last thing I want to ask is you know having had a front row seat through the recruiting process and as a sports parent, what are some of the things that you've seen? parents do that have gotten their kids crossed off a little or you know like yelling at umpires uh being that parent like like have you heard you know you've been intimate in conversations with these coaches are there things that parents can do can to get their kids scratched off lists (laughs) what a great question so so one of the one of the neat things now in my kind of strange world of doing this leadership talks is now i've actually gotten to be friends with a lot of the coaches um, in the, especially in the Virginia college, um, world here. And so I do, I definitely hear and see stories, but I saw it as a, as a parent of a, of a high school athlete and a travel, travel baseball athlete. So what literally I would see happen, parents who will go up and talk to their kids during the game, um, go up to the dugout, go in the dugout, give them Gatorade. Like, I mean, this is, I've, I've said this a million times to every parent group I ever talked to is, uh, you know, if your kid at 15 years old on can't, uh, handle themselves and getting, you know, getting hydrated, bring water or their Gatorade on their own. Um, don't carry your kid's baseball bag. I mean, a parent should sit there literally and say nothing or cheer for everybody. Um, but no contact with your kid, no going into the dugout. Definitely don't heckle any umpires because every single coach will tell you in high school, travel and college, the last thing they ever want to do is talk or even see a parent. Um, they'll do it in the recruiting process, you know, when you're talking about money. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, it's all about the kid and it's a relationship they build with the kids. And, and the whole idea is, is to, you know, how do we grow young men and young women um, uh, you know, into productive members of society where athletics can really help, but you know, you got to cut that umbilical cord with your kid. Um, and so, so it's really, it's the parents being as hands off as possible. And then I think the, you know, the, the last thing too is, and, and I see this all the time, this is a little more controversial is, you know, careful on social media, mm. uh, uh, you know, for, for parents too, on how they're, how they're pushing their kid, promoting their kid, let your kid do whatever they do. I don't even like when kids actually you know, throw their stats out, stats out there. The only person on social media, on Twitter or Instagram, who should be talking about a player is a, is, is their coach. Um, because again, ultimately things become too, too statistically focused. At the end of the day, what I tell folks, if your kid's good, he's going to go play in college. No kid is not going to get a chance. If your kid is good enough to play college baseball, someone will find them. Um, and so just take a deep breath, try to enjoy the ride, enjoy high school as much as you can. Um, uh, you know, have, have an honest conversation, look your kid in the eye, he or she has to say the same thing. Am I good enough to go play a power five school or should I, do I belong in a D3 school? Which is fantastic. Um, and so, you know, that, that's kind of my, my two cents on all these things. But parents can never do any good. They can only do harm to a kid. Let, let the kids do this all themselves. That's my, my biggest, biggest piece of advice. I love it. Mark Polymeropoulos. I had anxiety. I was freaking, couldn't <laughs> sleep. Getting ready to say the name, and I feel like I'm crushing the name. Polymeropolis, I can say it in my sleep now. Thank you so much for coming on, sharing your insight, your wisdom. Thank you for, you know, like I said a few times, and helping us, uh, you know, be a safer country. And and love love everything that you're sharing, especially this uh, this leadership stuff. It's it's so vital and so important. And uh, you're gonna ha- you certainly helped me today. Gonna help a lot of people. Keep doing the work you're doing, man. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate it. It's great great chatting today. That's Mark Polymeropolis former CIA senior intelligence officer and leadership expert. Thanks for listening to the Reform Sports Project podcast. I'm Nick Bonacore, and our goal is to restore a healthy balance and perspective in all areas of sport through education and advocacy. For updates, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or check out our website by searching for the Reform Sports Project. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. 
the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Introducing the Lisa Chill Collection, your answer to hot nights. These mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers, whisking away heat for the perfect sleep temperature. Save up to $460 on chill mattresses and get two free pillows when you shop now. iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. This is where projects come to life. Our showrooms are designed to inspire with the latest products from top brands, curated in an inviting, hands-on environment, and a team of industry experts to support your project. We'll be there to make sure everything goes as planned, from product selection to delivery coordination. At Ferguson Bath, Kitchen, and Lighting Gallery, your project is our priority. Find great brands like Vosh at your local showroom or visit us online at ferguson.com build.